Agatha Podgorski, you are the Director of Community Engagement at the Ontario Culinary Tourism Alliance. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the Fact Up podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm excited. Who, yeah, I'm excited to have you because for those who don't know, what is the Culinary Tourism Alliance all about and what does your job entail? Oof, uh, a lot. I've been petitioning to change my job title to MacGyver for the last few years um, because it feels a little like that's what I do. Um, so we're, we're a not-for-profit. Um, we do a couple different things. Uh, we, we run programs to support industry, both through skills development and marketing. Um, but as a result of that, um, we've become this hub of information of where to eat and drink locally in the province. We started as a provincial organization and we've grown to an international organization at this point. We're teaching other destinations to do what we do and to celebrate local food through tourism and build rural economies through attracting food tourists essentially. That's gotta be a massive accomplishment to be able to go from a very local level to an internationally recognized level where people are looking at you for guidance and support to kind of build their own uh, backyard. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. I've been with the organization 11 years now, um, and we've been around for 13. Um, and the first year that we were in existence, um, we were essentially just a collective of destinations in the province that met periodically to talk about what the priority should be. Um, I came on as an intern uh, out of culinary school, funny enough, um, and have watched this organization grow from me and uh, our president CEO, Rebecca, to this huge global, I mean huge, there's 13 of us, uh, to this global Perfect. entity that's really doing cool things to use food as a tool of building community and telling stories and connecting people to each other. This particular question kind of popped out to me when I was planning this podcast, and that is, what, why food? What does food mean to you personally? Oh God, because it's delicious. No, <laughs> right. That's a great <laughs> reason. Uh, we we make we make this joke, or I make this joke, I should say, when when I teach, um, which is a big part of my job now. There's only one thing every tourist does at least three times a day, and if they're anything like me, they do it five or six times a day, and that's eat. Right? It's the right. great connector. It's how people form lifelong memories. When you think about those great experiences in your life in travel the ones that stick with you the most often involve food because they trigger your five senses. And when your five senses are triggered, memories last longer and they get inputted deeper into your brain. Um, so definitely that, but also it's, it's this intangible piece of cultural heritage that for a really long time wasn't being respected or written down, was passed on orally, which, which, is sad but also magical in a way because it it allowed for really authentic meaningful connections between people when they traveled um and i just i think that's really special i also think that every place no matter what they they feel they're like or where they feel they come from has a food culture we we in canada make these jokes all the time about how like oh our food culture is just donuts and poutine you know we don't have a food culture here it's just other people's food culture but that that ideal in and of itself paired with all the communities that are here and all the different food ways that they've brought with them with that quintessential Canadian lack of pride has made for a very interesting food culture in and of itself, you know? I totally agree with you. I totally understand. And, and the fact that we haven't been promoting that uh, as mm -hmm. much over the past, I don't know if we were 
uh, hesitant. I don't know if it's this Canadian humility. I don't know if it's now, you know, this, um, you know, yeah, there is actually something really amazing here and we should celebrate it. But it took exactly. a while. And there's been amazing food here for a really long time. That's a mistake I was making for the last decade. I would say, oh, you know, now we have really good food. Now our chefs have gotten better. Now, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's more that now there's more awareness of the food, I should say. Right. Um, and now our chefs are following global trends and on being recognized globally. But whether you're into kind of rural, authentic, home-cooked stuff, roadside shacks, um, you know, indigenous food based on wild forage ingredients or high-end tasting menus with foam and tweezers. Like there's a little bit of everything in Canada and we, we grow almost everything, which is kind of insane. People forget about that, that we have this huge agricultural bounty, save citrus and coffee. We're and sugar, but I guess we have some sugar because of sugar beets. We have basically everything because we're so huge. <laughs> have we been taking it for granted all these years? Have we been overlooking how delicious our backyard is? I, yeah, I definitely think we've been overlooking it for a really long time as a population. There's definitely segments out there that have been supporting local farmers and producers um, at whatever scale they can for a long time. Um, but I think COVID, the silver lining of COVID is the interest in local food and the willingness to support your neighbors who are producing food has grown exponentially. Um, people are looking for ways to support their communities. They're putting their dollars where they didn't before. Um, when I talk to chefs, when I talk to grocers, when I talk to farmers, um, people, they, the anecdotes they tell me is that people used to look for the cheapest, always the cheapest. And now they're like, well, where can the biggest impact happen. Uh, if I buy this, how many families am I supporting? What community am I supporting? Is this made by my neighbor, right? Um, and in, the fact is that's magical and beautiful and necessary because if we don't think like that, because of COVID, unfortunately, a lot of our neighbors' businesses aren't gonna survive. Dining rooms are open, restaurants are, are closed, uh, dining rooms are closed, restaurants are closing permanently. It, it, it's it's so unpredictable and it's and what's happening is, is super, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just changing on a, on a, on a whim seemingly day to day. Yeah. Uh, how are you and, and, and others in your office dealing with those challenges of, of the changing food and restaurant scene and environment these days? We're not, <laughs> we're complaining loudly a lot. Um, you know, we've, We've done, we've started this campaign in our office where we do takeout Wednesday started by restaurants Canada. So all our staff orders lunch on Wednesday and it's covered by the company. So we all kind of get every fancy meal and eat right. it together on zoom. Um, we've been trying our best to support um, things in our local that are doing pickup and delivery, but it's, it's hard. Most of us, um, most of us, I'd say 60% of us live in downtown Toronto in tiny apartments and we do that because of the access to food and culture um, and that's that's been missing so definitely been struggling with that i mean we're we're trying to have authentic meaningful conversations with the people who own those businesses to figure out what they need um, we've been doing a lot of work lobbying with tourism to make sure that restaurants are included in the conversation and are thought about in that conversation um, but it's i won't lie to you it's been hard and this is a really easy time for someone who has committed their life to this industry to to walk away um and the thing i'm most 
confused about, worried about, anxious about, also maybe excited about, is that all of those legacy people that have been doing this for 30, 40 years are going to have to give up their spaces because of financial reasons or staffing reasons. And then all those spaces are going to go up for grabs and new restaurateurs are going to be able to access them probably at lower prices. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a weird thing to think about. Like I'm worried about that because I'm worried the big chains and the places without a soul are going to replace them. But maybe, maybe it'll be a door for young restaurateurs to enter the industry. I don't know. I'm, I, I think about that a lot. Like, what does it look like when, you know, big daddy restaurateur who changed it, who trained everybody has to walk away, but then his Sue suddenly can enter the market at a lower price point. Um, yeah. It, it mean, could be interesting. It could be terrible. Um, yeah. I hope my favorites stay. They've been pretty innovative. A lot of the restaurants I frequent um, are pivoting in cool ways. They're doing um, experiences. They've done patios. They've done pickup meals. A lot of them have turned into bodegas where you can kind of shop homemade products Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, I've been hosting two food tours in Greektown in Toronto for four years. And I grew up in Scarborough and, and Greektown has always been that hub, right? So it, it, back in the 80s, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, you couldn't find Greek oregano at, at you know, food, no frills or whatever, you know, big restaurant mm-hmm. chain. So Greektown was always that hub for food. Yeah. And Greeks are huge on food, right? We, we feed you and if you don't eat enough, we'll make you feel guilty for not eating enough. That's <laughs> just in our soul. But over the, over the course of 20, 25, 30 years, especially over the past now year, uh, those little mom and pop bakeries along Danforth Avenue are closing. And now you've seen the likes of, you know, Burgers Priest come in, uh, Mary Brown's come in. Um, and there's nothing wrong with those places. It's great. But it's, it, you talked about, use that word soul and soul is huge for me. Where the soul of the community, those people behind the experience that they would provide through food mm-hmm. and through conversation, no matter if you were Greek or not. And it's the same in yeah. Little Italy and Little Portugal. Um, I find like that soul is disappearing and it, it's similar to homes, right? You, that's a yeah. house, but a family will make it a home. That might be a bakery, but the people behind it will make it you know, soul food. Uh, mm-hmm. and, we'll, and we'll, you know, keep that conversation with you and remember your kids' names and see your kids grow up. Um, and so the, the soul of the neighborhoods, I feel, are, are changing, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been the case pre-COVID, though. When you look at these kind of neighborhoods that are themed around um, communities of certain certain populations and cer- certain types of people, they've been changing for decades and mm-hmm. they've been moving around the province. I mean, I live in Kensington Market mm-hmm. um, and it's got it's been a Jewish neighborhood. It's been a Chinese neighborhood. It's been a Mexican neighborhood. Now it's like heavily Jamaican and island. And mm-hmm. that's been happening before COVID. COVID might shift it, might change it might make it happen faster but i don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with populations moving places that that hub is going to pop up somewhere else it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of time and where where it happens um it's it's i think it's a unique thing for for toronto and ontario in general because we have so many immigrants that kind of cluster together as they settle in certain places these these things pop up right and these hyper hyper specific like it's almost like there's, there's a community of, I'm Polish, so there's a community of Poles, but specifically from the mountains in this part of Mississauga. Right. And like, they've all clustered together, you know? It's not right. just Polish people, it's specifically Tatra people. Right. Um, and that, that's always happened. Um, and I think that's okay. 
I think it's just, it's, it's the way the world goes, right? It's the way cities change and towns change. I just hope that there will still be space for food to be an active contributor to those communities through business, right? right. Not just through homes. It's a blessing and a curse, right? It's the yeah. beauty about living in a city. There's always something going on and there's always something it's, changing. It changes all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you've had a big hand in creating Feast On. What's Feast On all about and the benefits that, you know, it provides restaurants and the benefits that it provides, uh, you know, everyday diners? First of all, what's it all about? And then, and then the rest of the, the, the questions. <laughs> you, like, long-winded answers. I yeah. was hoping for a yes or no speed uh, round uh, That's here, coming. Jim. That's coming. That's coming. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely hitting me with the hard ones. So, Feast On is a certification program for restaurants. Um, it, it was built as a system of resources for, for people in, in the restaurant industry um, to source more local food, but also be celebrated for sourcing already doing the work to source local food. So we, we look at their books, we look at how much money they spend on local food. And if they meet a th certain threshold, that's 25% food, 25% alcohol, they, they get certified. On the consumer end of this, this piece, this education piece, this networking piece is a list of 200 restaurants in the province who are committed to working with local farmers. So if that's something you believe in, and it, it should be something you believe in, um, you as a, as a diner have this resource to see who's actually fighting the good fight. Um, a lot of the time in the, over the last decade anyway, when, when people use the word local on menus, when they said, you know, this is from farm X, Y, Z, it was a marketing tactic. It was, it was a tool to get people in the door because people started realizing that that was something people were looking for. Um, but they weren't necessarily doing the work. We were getting calls from farmers who were like, Hey, my cheese is on this guy's menu, but they haven't bought from me in seven years. So either that's real old cheese. Wow. Or they're lying. Um, so this, this program was created as a way of assuring people are doing what they said they're, they're doing um, and also to provide a resource for access to, to that kind of knowledge. Right. I'm amazed that people would have the balls to do that and feel like they won't get caught in this it's, day and age. It's kind of amazing. When I, wow. teach, when I teach storytelling workshops, one of the first things I have to tell people is like, don't lie. Marketing 101, don't, don't lie. lie. Right. Remember that super easy thing you were taught in elementary school? Still true. People will find out. And in the day of the internet, wow, it's, it's a big deal, right? Wow. Well, here's another loaded question. What have, what have your travels around the world taught you about the importance of food sourcing and food sustainability? Yeah, um, a lot. Um, I found that communities that focus on local and celebrate their producers are more resilient. Um, but I've also found that a lot of the world doesn't respect the process and doesn't value the process. Um, I visited communities where, where farmers are in poverty and that's, that's the expectation. But I've also visited communities where farmers are like rock stars. Mm -hmm. It's like, this guy raises the best sheep. They're right. like the tastiest, but also the fluffiest, but also right. the cutest. So it, it depends on the place. Um, but the ones that, that celebrate kind of what's unique to them and what's unique for them um, have had the most interesting communities and menus and, and places. Um, I went to New Zealand a few years ago, which I thought would be like Canada, you know, like mm -hmm. Canada, but with some island stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But their connection to the ocean and the way that they celebrate the, the tiniest differences, like they, they have these oysters that 
are said they're they're oysters like oysters are oysters right mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. have these stripes on their shell and they're like a little deeper you know mm -hmm. and the whole country is obsessed with these oysters all they talk about is how much better these oysters are than everybody else's oysters and how different they are and how you can only get these here and you know at first i was like okay they're oysters but by the end of it i was like wow these these are the best oysters. Right. I've never had an oyster like this. This is amazing. Right. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, I, I think about mustard a lot mm -hmm. when, when I get asked this question because Canada grows like 90% of the world's mustard or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like the, it's a staggering percentage, like stumble upon it. Mm -hmm. It gets shipped to France and turned into fancy mustard and then shipped back here for us to buy as French mustard. And there's just like, there's a disconnect there where like, why aren't we celebrating that here? Um, there are mustard producers here, obviously, and they're amazing and they're great. But I think that disconnect definitely feeds into our inability to, to celebrate it because the processed product is usually what we, we eat and consume. And mm -hmm. so just essentially, this is long winded and like weirdly tangential, but like, oh, it's all good. When we, when we ship our raw products out to get processed by somebody else and they ship them back here, that disconnect happens, right? People often miss that connection mm -hmm. back to where it came from. Um, and you're seeing more and more artisan producers pop up that are doing that, that I think are really going to contribute to our food scene here. Um, I think there's also a weird hangover leftover from the eighties and early nineties where exotic and far away was like, the thing right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. oh my god this is from so far away it must be better than what i have here because it's from far away um and we've definitely been been working to get over that um it's definitely true in our wine industry like we need to celebrate our winemakers more we do amazing things here um but for some people for some people for some reason you say oh ontario wine and they're like oh ontario wine and i'm like yeah Pinot, Chardonnay, sparkling. Have you tried our bubbles? They are off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, I always like to ask the question, you know, have, has COVID made the staycation cool again? But I think a lot of people have overlooked the fact that COVID has actually reignited the interest in local food, yeah. right? right? You're right. Bubbles, man. Bubbles. We do amazing bubbles. Oh, there's so much. And then when you post a photo, like I'll post a photo of a road trip in, in you, know, um, you know, Oxford County. Or, or, you know, Keys around capital of Ontario. Right. And it's like, people don't know that. And, and, you know, you go to Woodstock and it's like the, the dairy capital. People don't know that. It's like, where is that? Oh, it's non GMO. Oh, where is that? It's just down the road, man. All you have to do is pick a direction and you'll find it. <laughs> That's right? all you have to do. It's Right? There's so much cool stuff. And I know you're leading into what's my favorite place in Ontario. I can feel it. And I nope. hate that question. <laughs> no, I'm not asking you that. I'm not asking you that. What okay, I'm going to ask perfect. you though is because we're talking about a lot of challenges, let's look ahead mm -hmm. to kind of what we can look forward to on a positive note in 2021, as far as like, um, you know, culinary experiences go in the, in the province of Ontario. Yeah, so I think definitely we're going in a direction where small, intimate experiences are going to be the norm. They're going to be less accessible, read more expensive. Um, obviously, because small experiences are more expensive to put on. Um, but I'm pretty excited about that. I, to tell you the truth, I don't go to food festivals. I organize food festivals, but I don't go because I'm, I just get really tired of the lineups and the crowds. Mm -hmm. So that shift towards intimate, small, connected to the land, outdoor, um, I'm really excited about it and I think that's definitely going to happen. I think we're going to start really getting creative in ways of experiencing winter. 
um, I'm seeing more winter experiences coming definitely like outdoor après ski, you know, mm -hmm. snowshoe cider by the fire kind of thing, that stuff. I'm excited for that to happen. We're just, we're going to need to be resilient and find ways of using that other half of the year that events weren't happening in before. Um, I definitely see more capacity for our farmers. The only people that have consistently told me they're doing better during COVID are the farmers. Um, there's more trucks on the ground. There's more delivery services. There's, there's more solutions in the tech space for farmers who didn't have a distribution network. So I think access is a big thing that's going to happen in 2021. I'm excited about. And I think people are just, I think ultimately, I hope people are going to slow down a little and learn to appreciate our wild natural spaces through food. Um, I spent most of, most of the summer up in Muskoka at a off-grid cabin, as you know, Jim. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just, it, it kind of taught me to disconnect and to take a moment and enjoy the glass of wine and really kind of think about what I'm doing. Um, and I think that's gonna lead to a new kind of respect and reverence in the food scene. Um, rapid fire with Agatha Podgorski, you ready? 10 questions, there's nothing rapid about this, take your time, okay? <laughs> Preferred comfort food, six pack of butter tarts or a six pack of local cider? Butter tarts, hands down. <laughs> I'm the queen. Last meal on earth, what is it? Ooh, grilled cheese sandwich. Ooh, really? Any, anyone in particular from a restaurant or family or what? Mom, uh, sister? My, my husband makes a mean grilled cheese. It would be made with mountain oak gouda from Oxford County, which we call crack cheese here in my house, <laughs> yeah. and blackbird bread from oh, uh, yeah. Kensington Market. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Yeah. You've, come out of the, you know, you've come out of the bar, you're starving. What are you jonesing for? Chip truck fries. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Or shawarma. Okay, Hi. yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite meal when you were a kid? Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I hated food as a child. And my <laughs> grandpa, who used to take care of me, used to heat up Mr. Noodle Noodles and put oh, yeah. butter in them. And it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. for noodles with butter. Butter? Really? Not gourmet or particularly like no powder, right? Just butter and Mr. Noodle Noodles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why is that? I was not. This is new. This like this food love is like in the last twenty years, not right. as a child. Right. Uh, food you couldn't stand as, as a child, but can't get enough now as an adult. Meat. Really, meat. Yeah. Meat. Eh? Yeah. It was really hard for me to eat meat. I also could never have cheese and mayonnaise touching as a child. Okay. That was like super disgusting, and I'm over that now. Right. That's good, because they go really nicely together. <laughs> <laughs> If you had to pick one, would you rather go on the apple pie trail along uh, Georgian Bay or wine hopping in Prince Edward County? Unfair. I work yeah. with both those regions and they're both awesome. But okay, I am going to say, listen, <laughs> I'm going to say apple pie trail because asterisk, there's also wine there so mm -hmm. I can hit both. Right. Very wise. Very diplomatic of you. There you go. <laughs> food road trip to Ottawa or food road trip to Thunder Bay? You're the worst. I work with both those places too. I know. <laughs> I've done my research. Okay. So that's a hard one because Thunder Bay is home of my favorite hot sauce in the whole province, Heartbeat Hot Sauce, and their beer scene is off the hook. And I am a little bit of a beer head. But feeding on a question you asked me earlier, Ottawa is the shawarma capital of Ontario. That's and right. it is 
off the hook. So I'm going to say Ottawa. Sorry, Thunder Bay. Yeah. I, still love you. <laughs> I hear you, man. I, I ask tough questions for a reason. I'm known for that. Is, <laughs> is there a place in the world that speaks to you on a culinary level? It changes regularly. Um, the next place I want to go is Italy, but the place I'm obsessed with is Mexico, mm-hmm. central Mexico. Not so much that kind of like Tulum fish taco thing, mm-hmm. more of the like mole kind of meats, tortillas, Elotes. you know, weird funguses, hot mm-hmm. sauces, salsa kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, the thrill about Mexico is you can get an elote with, you know, the corn with the mayo yeah. and the thing, and then you can go around yeah. the corner and get four tacos for like, uh, it, I can't, $2. I can't. <laughs> Uh, five snacks you always bring with you on a, on a road trip. Uh, so those are usually dictated by my husband because he makes very few choices in our life. So I will, <laughs> I let him have that one. Uh, peanut butter filled pretzels. Okay. Beef jerky slash pepperettes. Okay. Uh, sour keys. For oh, me, okay. Yeah. For sure. Uh, those Schneider's broken up pretzel bits with the buffalo sauce. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Those and fruit which is the one thing I add to the file. Nice. That's five. That's the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last question. Where do you feel your soul lives? Poland. Polska. Polska. Yeah. I haven't been back since I studied in Eastern Europe like 12 years ago, but that's also a loaded question because there's been so much turmoil in that region and I feel so connected to it that I, I worry about it a lot and I don't have a huge family so I feel really connected to the community but yeah Poland yeah Poland it's where your innards melt every time you yeah. go yeah yeah Agatha Podgorski thank you so much for taking the time today to join me on the fact that podcast I, I uh it's it's been a pleasure talking to you I, I was looking forward to this for a while and I uh <laughs> I, I commend your efforts you're continuing challenging efforts to keep uh the spirit of local alive and i wish you and and your family nothing but health and safety down the road and hopefully we can catch up maybe in person and have that uh that conversation uh with with two beer heads in person love it perfect thanks for having me jim thank you so much and take care bye